I should have asked the questions and you've been his voice. Well, no, because I'm, I run this podcast. I'm <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 135th episode of From Alpha to Omega. Today is Friday, 2nd of October 2020 and I'm your host, Tom O'Brien. Recently, we performed a secret dialogue with Joss Alembic. Joss is the nom de guerre of an underground communist comrade in deep cover within the Dutch Socialist Party. He is currently part of an effort to reform the Socialist Party along the lines outlined by Mike McNair in his revolutionary strategy book that we covered in a previous reading group series. To minimise any risk to Joss's well-being, I have enlisted my partner Precious in the recording of this episode, in which we take turns being the interviewer and the interviewee. Let's speak with Joss. Okay, could you briefly introduce yourself? I want to just ask you something. What? So, <laughs> how is this going to work? Are you going to explain the situation of someone reading something? Yeah, I'll yeah, do that. Yeah, you're going to do it separately. Intro. Okay, yeah. yeah, I was just wondering. Okay. You're going to answer the first question then? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, I'm Joss Alembic and I'm an active member of the Dutch Socialist Party. Besides that, I'm a founding member of the Communist Platform, which, for lack of a better term, is an orthodox Marxist outfit. And, Joss, what attracted you to socialist politics? Well, I came of age in in the aftermath of 9-11, and after a Dutch politician, who you might recall, called Pim Fortun, rose up, and he was eventually killed by a deep green activist. Pim Fortun was the first in a line of right-wing xenophobic populists that blamed the ill effects of neoliberal policies on migrant communities. Seeing that type of politics on the rise motivated me to become active. Why the Socialist Party then? Well, I always figured myself on the far left, and you need to understand that the Netherlands has a very pluriform political landscape due to our PR electoral system. What does pluriform mean? (laughs) It means there are multiple parties, multiple... Is that what it actually means? Not multiple parties, but I guess multiple forms of something. Okay. Plural. It's a plural system. It's not a dual. It's not a dual system. Like um, Labour and prices. Like Democrats and Republicans. Anyway, so there were a few parties for me to choose from, but what attracted me to the Socialist Party was its base activism. All your base are belong to us. Tell tell us about the origins then of your current party. So the Socialist Party started as a Maoist split from the old Communist Party of the Netherlands, or CPN, in the 1960s. And it was founded in its current form in 1972. For its first 20 years, it played a marginal role, but had a relatively well-functioning apparatus that was able to build up local branches and it gained some local seats. Then in the late 1980s and early 90s, two things happened that created an opening for the party. What were these two things? Well, first, the CPN dissolved itself into the green left. You could say, and what effect does that have? Okay, (laughs) 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 And what effect 
Pray tell, did this help us? <laughs> well, basically, it caused whole local branches to become members of the Socialist Party. Then the second thing is that the Labour Party, the PVDA, like many of its sister parties in this period, embraced neoliberal policies. In this vacuum, the Socialist Party could become a force of its own and has remained so ever since. How many seats do you have? Well, currently it has 14 seats out of 150 in Parliament and has around 32,000 members, making it the fourth party in the country. So that's quite a lot. That's 10%. Just under. Thanks for that. (laughs) So what are then its current politics? Well, after it left behind Maoism in the 1970s and Marxism-Leninism in the late 1980s, it kind of developed its own branch of socialism, based on a moralistic set of principles. It sort of threw out the baby with the bathwater when it left Marxist-Leninist politics, which, understandably, wasn't going to be the way forward in the post-Berlin Wall era. Its own flavour of socialism is really just left-wing populism, infused with local activism, The latter makes the party pretty unique compared to other Dutch parties. And furthermore, it has attracted left-wing activists away from the smaller radical left, which exist only in the margins, organising a few hundred members between them. So what would you say are the problems with its current politics? I think that... Can I say I think? Yeah, yeah. I think that by... (laughs) I think that by throwing away Marx, it threw away much of a theoretical basis and as long as the party remained in an upward development this was fine. So from 1994 when it came into parliament first with two seats by 2006 it had reached up to 25 seats. In that period of time it had gone from 16,000 members to just over 50,000 members in 2009. Well for a short time there in 2012 It looked like we were even going to get 38 seats, but that was it. That was the zenith. So what happened then? Since 2014, really, it's been loss after loss after loss until we are where we are now. Even in the European elections last year, we lost both seats in Parliament. Those losses, the loss of those two seats has triggered a change in leadership, but the theoretical and the strategic void remains. That theoretical and strategic void is really evident in the educational arm of the party. So we have a few basic courses for new members to the party, but there's no real theoretical focus and it only works to prepare comrades for activism. So is this reflected in the current leadership? I would say it is. I think that the current chair has repeatedly given away their political initiative to the parliamentary faction. So to me, it signals there's little to be expected from their two-year run in office, and I reckon the crisis of the party is set to continue. So what is the structure and the size of the party? Good question. So there are three levels really to the party. You've got the local level where there are about 150 uh, local branches, some more active than others. Then you have a regional level and it's kind of divided into 20 20 regions and they meet twice a year. So then on the national level, we've got the party council, which used to be called the Central Committee until about 1991. 
and it's comprised of the branch chairs and national party leadership and they meet around six times a year. And what was your experience of life as a member of the party? Hmm, Good question. My experience is really that the local branches are focused almost solely on activism. Some of them may do a little bit of education as well, but that's the exception. And I guess political debate is mostly taking place at the party council, but it feels like that's quite stitched up really by the national leadership. They tend to control the agenda and set the pace Then I guess there's also two publications that we have. One is Tribune and the other is called Spanning. Spanning's more a theoretical magazine, but it doesn't really allow for any dissenting opinions in it. Both of them are pretty boring reads, to be honest. Does the party have an educational wing? Yeah, it does. And to be honest, it doesn't really amount to much because it focuses mostly on activism and not at all on theoretical questions or strategic questions. So you started a hidden faction. Can you tell me why? Okay, so all the things that I've just said have painted a picture of a party that's without vision and has little hope for the future. Now, during its heyday, between 1994 and 2009, I would say the Socialist Party was perceived as being different And it is different, you know. It's uh, a consistent anti-neoliberal voice. In several campaigns, it's mobilised hundreds of thousands of people. The most recent one, for example, being uh, the petition for a national health service where 300,000 people signed up. So it's definitely within the party's grasp that it can mobilise people. The question, however, is what for? Besides electioneering, it simply can't answer that basic question, which is the root of its downswing. In 2014, I started the Communist Platform with a few other comrades, and we set out to ask precisely this question. What are we doing this for? Strategy, vision, programme became our central focus and our contribution to the party. It started as a hidden faction for the simple reason that the Socialist Party does kick out comrades that have a dissenting voice. This has created hurdles to our work and limited our impact, but we do count in the several dozens of comrades nowadays and make an impact on the national level. At the last Congress, for example, our motions were carried by many local branches and despite not winning majorities, we did carry many close calls. You've been interested in the work of Mike McNair. How does his work inform the politics and strategy of the faction? Mike's revolutionary strategy is actually on our reading list for new comrades. We have a probationary membership for up to six months where we discuss these and other works in an attempt to educate and flesh out where our differences are. His book brings out many of the defects that the Socialist Party has fallen victim to and as such is very usable for us as it connects to what comrades are experiencing in the party and gives us a start for an alternative. Basic tenets of his framework and that of the Communist Party of Great Britain, CPGB, like the basis for proletarian politics, democracy, internationalism and and the independent political position of the working class, principled opposition, unity and disagreement, the focus on programme, etc., 
have all been foundational for our own organisation and our work inside the party. What policies or structural changes is your faction working towards? We are working towards democratising the inner party life of the Socialist Party, like making Congress the highest organ of the party, which for some weird reason it isn't, and having dissenting opinions published in the party publications. Furthermore, we urge comrades to take on an internationalist perspective regarding Europe. The party has always had a rather nationalist political view of socialism, as if we could build an alternative like that within the confines of the Netherlands. On this basis, it is also very sceptical of the EU, claiming that democracy is better served if done on a national level. This analysis is completely void of any class character or learnt any lessons from the likes of Syriza in Greece. Thirdly, we aim for a principled opposition and breaking with the idea that we can achieve our aims in government. Any government participation necessarily means joining a coalition government with pro-capital parties. Last, but certainly not least, we aim to refound the party on a different programmatical footing. For this, we aim to publish a draft programme that was strongly inspired by the work of the CPGB's draft programme. It's a classic minimum-maximum programme, where the minimum is our minimum basis for which we think the party should accept government responsibility, i.e. political power of the working class and the set-up of the Democratic Republic. How long has your faction been operating? We were founded on May Day 2014. Our group has had its ups and its downs. Currently, we are pretty active and growing. Has your faction had any successes? We've had successes in spreading influence in the party. This is now being formalised in a layer of people around us. How exactly this will look is yet to be seen. We're also involved in building socialist organisations outside of the party, focusing on activities like kickboxing and outdoor walking. And we're organising lectures in local party branches and in getting people to at least talk our emotions at conferences and the like. We're not yet reaching majorities in the latter case, but, but we're patient. Is there a split in the views of the membership between young and old? I would say there is a double split, in fact. In the old guard, the small group of old comrades that were present in the 60s and 70s are often very much still Marxist to an extent. The party members in their 40s and 50s that became members in the 1995 to 2010 period are often very apolitical, even anti-socialist, which is a real reflection of the party in that period. If you recruit on an apolitical and opportunist basis, this is the type of membership you'll get. Last of all, younger comrades, mostly in the youth wing, have been very eager to learn about more radical politics in the last few years. This has brought us many openings and much optimism for the future. What lacks here mostly is an endemic aversion to theoretical education by the party, which is something we as a faction aim to provide, be it on a limited scale. How weak is the establishment of the party? Like I said, the party is in turmoil and nothing lasts forever. So there might be a tipping point where the party simply disintegrates. That's hard to tell. 
What I can say is that we have little to expect from our newly elected leadership and I do expect many members to resign over the next few years, together with some more electoral losses. It has to be said though that should we as communists gain any serious impact on the party, I expect things to get nasty pretty fast. Say we'll win a majority in the national leadership at the next leadership election. I fully expect the current clique to scuttle the party before they give up their reign. This is one of the reasons we organise independently. Are the existing leadership employed by the party? Do they have control over land, buildings, finances, etc. that they won't let go of? Can they be put out to pasture? Well, the top leadership, the chair and the secretary, they're employed by the party as their full-time positions. Most, if not all, of the leadership often has direct financial links with the party, so that is a problem. There are several party buildings across the country and they're formally owned by a separate entity, but suffice to say that the leadership has a strong say in it. Finances are under direct control by the party leadership. This also goes for the local branches, which all have their own bank account, but where the National Party has access to it. Do you have the same phenomenon of a large amount of young tankies in Holland? Are they a threat to your platform? The tankies are mostly organised in the NCPN, the new Communist Party of the Netherlands. This is a tiny organisation, like the rest of the far left in the Netherlands, containing perhaps a hundred organised members. Suffice to say, they are a non-issue, as they're not organised in the SP, in the Socialist Party, and besides a few local strongholds, they have no national operation. What would be your dream organisational structure of your party? Well, that's, that's a big question. I suppose organisation flows from politics. So to start there, I would first scrap the current charter called the Whole of Humanity, adopted in 1999. This laid out the political basis for watering down our socialism to moralistic gibberish. If I had my way, I would replace that with our draft programme, which again is strongly inspired by the CPGB draft programme. Flowing from that, I would put Congress as the highest party organ convening annually about party strategy. In our party, we have had a development of pimping our Congress with performances from the Metropolitan Orchestra and the like, which minimises our time to discuss our actual politics. Also, perhaps surprisingly for international listeners, our congresses are always limited to just one day, so everything is going in a big rush with speaking time limited to two minutes at best. I'd spread the congress out over a few days and cut out the nonsense. Also, there was a motion at the last congress on pooling speaking time allotments among speakers that agreed on a similar topic where a common speaker is agreed amongst them so that more time can go to actual political discussion. This is really an excellent idea. On top of that, I would expand the educational team curriculum to educate party members on political economy and the labour theory of value, the history of the workers' movement and our vision of socialism, and on topics like debating. I'd also reform the party's publications, the Tribune and Spanning, to have critical discussion led by an editorial staff that aims to bring in experts and gives room to dissenting views. I would also focus on building and strengthening the workers' movement. 
The Socialist Party has, has no organised work in the trade union movement. That's going to start. We make them into schools of communism. A few years back, we had a party-wide discussion on the democratisation of the economy, which fell flat as absolutely nothing happened with it. Well, now we'll be starting a discussion on a cooperative movement and start some of our own to kickstart the movement. We'll build up our social culture by having community centres, walking clubs, sports clubs, you name it. The last thing I would mention here is that I would use the party's resources to build up our own media network. We can do a daily paper, so we should. We can actually get state funds to start a public broadcast. So why the hell aren't we? What would the dream politics of your party be? Revolutionary communist? Orthodox Marxist. That is, Kautskyist. That is, we organise our class as a class, patiently waiting for the inevitable crisis of capitalism, creating a revolutionary potential. Crucially though, this has to be done on a European level if it's to go anywhere. Internationalism is the strong value here precisely because otherwise you're just hitting the brick wall of international capital and imperialist politics in no time. Building a socialist party of Europe which has a common political agenda and more or less common political workings throughout the continent is a must. What potential is there in the Netherlands to take such a party forward? Could it grow quickly with the right circumstances? For example, like Sinn Féin in Ireland, which grew from 14 to 35% in under six months. Everything can grow under the right circumstances, you know. But I believe that while such a strategy I just outlined wouldn't be paying off in the short term, it can only but have a huge impact in the long view. Had we built my dream party in the period of 1995 to 2010, we would have had been able to gain a significant number of seats in Parliament, perhaps even a simple majority. What we should do with such power depends on the situation, but that's another topic. What is the history of revolutionary socialism or communism in the Netherlands? Is there currently an appetite for such politics there? Was there historically? Well, you could say we lacked a Babel or a Kautsky, so instrumental in the building in building the German SPD at the time as a mass party movement. So, Historically, the far left has been marginal in the Netherlands. Despite that, we have had a strong history to build on. Henk Snevelit, for example, not only founded what became the Communist Party of Netherlands, but also the Indonesian PKI and even the Chinese Communist Party. The Socialist Party itself stands in this tradition, being a Maoist split from the Communist Party of the Netherlands. Today, the Overton window of political discourse has moved dramatically to the right. This has been the basis for the Socialist Party electoral defeats of the last six to seven years. But I do remain an optimist in that we can and must build on our organisational capacity in order to shift this Overton window to the left again. Outside of crises, this can only go so far. But during crises it can explode to reach hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, in an organised manner. As Marx said, the liberation of the working class can only be their own work. If we lose our belief in that basic tenet, there is truly no hope left.
On this episode, you heard the theme tune, The Order of the Pharaonic Jesters, and Night of the Purple Moon by Sun Ra and his orchestra. Thank you for listening, and please join me for the next episode of From Alpha to Omega. This show is a member of the Emancipation Network, a Marxist podcast and research collective. Make sure to check out our network sister podcasts, General Intellect Unit, Jumpsuit Utopia, Mortal Science, and Swampside Chats. The the current chair is explicitly, I know multiple locations. <laughs> You're just putting me off telling me I'm no good at it. I'm not saying that. Jeez. The current chair has explicitly and on multiple altercations. <laughs> multiple altercations. How long has your faction been operating? Fucking ages. <laughs> What would be your dream organisational structure of your party? Oh my. That's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Edit for the front of the episode. (laughs) Oh my, well, that's a a big question. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Completely sidestepped, oh my, that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah.